There's no stopping me. I can go wherever I want to get whatever car I want. I have certainty that this thing that I hope for is going to be real. And so you have this, I, uh, this reality that there's, that there's money in there, even though you may not have seen it. And then it goes on in this verse. It talks about not just this assurance of things hoped for, but it's this, con- uh, this conviction or evidence, as it says, evidence of things not seen. The second part of this verse is very similar, but kind of turns it around in a little different way. The word conviction or evidence is, is this idea of certainty. It's an in- internal uh, certainty of an unseen reality. In some sense, all of us, even people that don't believe in Jesus Christ, all people live by faith in some sense, right? We, we turn on the faucet and we have faith that it's going to be uh, water and whatever we drink is going to be somewhat okay to drink. Depending on uh, where you are, you're thinking, maybe, maybe I'll just drink bottled water, right? But even there, there's a little bit of trust that whatever's in that bottle is good, right? And we have this idea of, of simple faith. And we see this constantly over and over in life. But really, our spiritual faith is very different. We have a spiritual faith in Christ who we cannot see and have not heard his audible voice. But yet, if we follow a God whose audible voice we have never heard and believe in a Christ whose face we've never seen, we do so because our faith has a reality. Our faith has a substance. Our faith has an assurance that's unshakable. In doing so, Jesus said, we are especially blessed. In John, he said, when you have faith in that unseen person, the person you've never heard audibly, but you believe, you are especially blessed. And so this faith is an internal certainty of an unseen reality. So we have faith in God, though we don't see him, we have faith that he will give us a reward and he will eventually, uh, we'll be with him in glory. Let me apply this a little bit, this internal faith, this internal certainty of an unseen reality. You know, sometimes uh, in your job, you are asked to do certain things that you don't like, but they're okay to do. Sometimes you're asked to move something or to do something that's tedious and you don't like, but you know you'll do it. Sometimes you may be asked, hey, why don't you put these numbers on this spreadsheet so that it looks better so that the end of the year sales will be, be great so that nobody's going to say anything bad about our company or our branch. And so somebody says, hey, just, just put another zero on the end of those numbers or change this up a little bit. And at that moment, that's when this faith in Jesus and what he's asked you to do, that's when it starts to become reality. And you're there and you know your boss is telling you, hey, do this to this spreadsheet, even though it's untrue, and you're there in your heart thinking, do I obey God or do I obey man? And this is when faith starts to hit our life. This internal certainty of an unseen reality of Jesus, do I really believe who he is and what, he's going to, what he wants me to do? If I really believe who he is and what he's asked me to do, I'm going to say, boss, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. I cannot lie, right? By faith, we stand for God and do what's right because we know what God has said is true despite the consequences we may face on this earth. And we know that we will be, the reward that we get for faith is so much greater 
than that punishment or reward that that boss can give us. Faith starts to hit the road, or hit, the rubber hits the road when we start to see faith applied in our daily life. Faith is that internal certainty of an unseen reality. It's the evidence of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. Faith then is demonstrated in Hebrews 2 through 5. The author kind of goes through and he says, he kind of puts this principle up here. Here's what faith is, right? And then after this, he's going to give us three things as examples of what faith is. And then after after verse 6, he's going to go through the rest of the chapter and just say, they had faith, they had faith, this guy had faith, look at their, their life, they had faith over and over and over again. And they won God's approval by their faith. Their faith was demonstrated and it won God's approval. In verse 2, it says this, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. Basically, they won God's approval. They won God's approval because of their faith. Not, just because, not because of what they did, but their faith drove them to obedience. And because of their faith and then their obedience, it won God's approval. The, fir- the first thing that we start to see this uh, in, in verse 2, we saw that the elders obtained a good testimony. Uh, in other words, not only did they bear witness to God, he bore witness to God uh, to them. So God, they're bearing witness to God, obeying God, but God also is saying this person was faithful, right? If you had a chance to have your name written in this, in this chapter, sometimes called the Hall of Faith, it would be awesome. It would be great to have your name put in here. And I would love for one day God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. By faith we live. What does he start off in verse 3? He says, here's an evidence of faith, actually, for you, the audience. So here's the author of Hebrews. If you imagine this, the author is, is really writing this, but it, it really is an, it's an extended sermon. And so the author is kind of saying to the, to, to the audience, hey, you guys that I'm speaking to actually have a very clear evidence of faith. And what is that? He says it in verse 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So this second point here under faith demonstrated is creation. The author is giving us an example of the audience's faith, and this, this is a Jewish audience. This Jewish audience believes in creation. They understand that God created everything ex nihilo, or the idea of out of nothing. So they believe very firmly that God created the world out of nothing. Creation uh, is this, this belief that they did not see God do this, Nobody here in the audience, when the author's speaking or writing to them, nobody saw God create the world. Nobody was there. There may have been some older people in the audience, and we sometimes joke around, and I'll say something to somebody and say, well, are you around when Noah was here? Or something like that, right? Some of, I, We'll joke around and say, this flood this week, is this reminiscent to when you were alive with Noah, right? You make a joke like that, but we know that no one was around to see God create the earth. But we have faith, and this audience has very strong faith that God created the world. And that's an evidence of something unseen, but yet we believe in. You know, recently, in the past hundred years or so, uh, creation ha- creationism, the fact that God created the world, has come under a lot of attacks. In fact, 
Uh, many scientists would be very skeptical and, and fight the idea that God created the world. And, and many of us, even Christians, uh, would, would be called crazy, or um, maybe they would call you uh, just believing a lie if you believe in creation. And often, uh, maybe our faith wavers on the fact that God created the world. And this is one of those things that as Christians, sometimes even we get marginalized for believing that God created the world. But I'd encourage you, this idea of creation is something that very clearly is, is written in the Bible, and very clearly we should understand. And even though you may have questions or people question you about it, I'd encourage you to stand strong for what you believe in, in creation and God creating the world. Have you ever seen one of those 3D images? You know what I'm talking about? You see on the wall, you'll go into a doctor's office or somewhere, and you, you see that image on the wall, and, and it's all kinds of like crazy-looking uh, 3D image that you can't really see anything. It just looks strange. And you, you, know, you move that image, you walk up close to it, and you walk back, and you try and, try and understand what's going on. You've seen those, right? And you get there, and, and somebody says, Guess what's, guess what's back there? And you're like, I have no idea. And they're like, oh, I'm not going to tell you. And you take five minutes, or you're, if you're like me, it's 25 minutes trying to see what's on there, right? And then all of a sudden, maybe you walk in at a different angle, and you see, and all of a sudden it clicks. That 3D image is all of a sudden a bird or an elephant or some kind of image, and you're like, wow, that's awesome. I can see that, right? You've seen those 3D images, and then every time you look at it, maybe you go back into that office or wherever it is, you're like, oh, I can see it right away. I mean, you see it so clearly. It's plain as day. You're like, how can, nobody, how can you not see it? And you're like, oh, yeah, I didn't see it for 25 minutes, remember? Um, it's, a lot how, it's a lot like creation. It's a lot how we view our belief in creation. If you're a Christian and you say, God created the world, you go to the beach and you say, wow, God created this vast ocean. Amazing. You go to the mountains and you say, what a beautiful creation that God made. And you say, this is God's hand in creation. God touched all of this. And we see even our brothers and sisters in Christ, the people of the world, and we see God created these people. And, and for us, it's like, man, I, can't, I cannot look at something and not see God's hand in it. And we see God's creation over and over and over again. But yet somebody without God, somebody without Christ is like, I don't see it. I don't see God. I don't see it there. They don't have that faith. They don't have, have that same belief. And so when you have faith in God, it's going to be different. Your life is going to be radically changed by faith in God. You have to look at life with a totally different perspective and saying, God created this, God made this, and I have faith in a greater God that he's going to reward me for my faith in him. And we're excited because we see God over and over and over showing us his creation and for us to be able to believe that strengthens our belief, but it also begins with our belief in God. Creation was an example from their own lives, but he also goes back in the Old Testament and he talks about Abel. In verse 4, he says this, By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, through it uh, being dead, still speaks. 
Genesis 4, 3 through 10 says this, and, and you may remember the, the, the story. Uh, the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And so you remember this story. Cain brings an offering of basically his crops. Abel brings uh, an offering from the animals in his field or, or in his, in his uh, flocks. And, and you see that they, they offer these two things up, and God, is, uh, God accepts Abel's. And actually, it's clear that God accepts Abel's because of Abel's faith. And we sometimes think, well, God, why wouldn't you just accept Cain's? Come on, be, be nice to him, right? What, but why would God be so, so you know, strict? And yet, we see here in the rest of this, in, in verse 7, in Genesis 4, 7, or 6, the Lord actually comes to Cain. And God actually talks to Cain and says, Cain, why are you so ang- Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. And now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Abel, his offering was accepted by faith because of his faith. And Cain, he, ha- he has God even talk to him and say, Cain, I mean, God's talking to him directly and saying, Cain, look, sin is trying to overtake you. Satan is trying to buffet you. Satan is trying to take you down. This sin is there and wanting to rule over you. And you have God himself telling you this. Don't you think you would obey? And instead, Cain goes, doubles down and says, I'm not doing this. In fact, I'm going to kill Abel. And he kills his brother. And you just think, wow, what a crazy story. God directly talks to him, and he still disobeys. Sin will easily overtake us if we don't have faith and we don't trust God. This is where it begins. It began with a sacrifice for sin. Jesus' sacrifice in this idea of what Cain and Abel are offering, I think a precursor to the sacrifice that Jesus offered. And we see that Jesus offers up his sacrifice, a worthy death in our place. But it's the faith that made Abel's sacrifice accepted. I'd encourage you, by faith, obey and live for God. And don't be like Cain when you know God has spoken to you from his word and said, don't do this. Run from sin. Let God rule over your life. Then he goes on to Enoch in verse five. Enoch, walking by faith. Abel worshiped God in faith. Abel worshiped God in faith. And Enoch walked in faith by God. It says in verse five, By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and it was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Genesis 5, 21 through 24 says that Enoch lived 65 years, and he begot Methuselah, and after he begot Methuselah, Enoch 
walked with God 300 years and his, had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365. And Enoch w- walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Anybody ever read this story and you're like, okay, how do I have that happen to me? Right? You're like, okay, he lived by faith and for whatever reason, God decided to take Enoch without Enoch dying. So what we see in the story and you think, how do I have this happen to me? Well, I don't think that this is going to happen to you. Uh, As much as you study Enoch's life, it's probably not a precursor for your life, okay? You look in Jude, and Jude 14 and 15 very clearly says that Enoch was a faithful preacher of God. He continually talked about God, and his faith, his life was a life walking in faith after God. Over and over and over again, Enoch's daily life is walking by faith. Says sometime, somebody said, J.O. Fraser, a missionary to China, China, said this, Faith is like a muscle which grows stronger and stronger with use, rather than rubber which weakens when it stretches. And you think about exercise and the idea of getting stronger, and over and over that continual workout helps you get stronger. This is the same thing with faith. Over and over it grows and strengthens, and Enoch's, faith grows to the point that God takes him. And and I don't know all the details around this, but obviously, very clearly, he walked with God by faith day by day. Would we be like Enoch and live for God each day? Am I willing to trust God right now and even give up the pleasures of this world to live by faith for God? And then in verse 6, we see faith is actually demanded. Faith is demanded. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. It's a strong word there, isn't it? Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This verse is a masterpiece. I mean, it really, the author is so clearly just writing beautiful words about God's, about what's happening by faith. Enoch, by faith, pleases God. And right after that, this verse ties in and he says, you know what? Without faith, if you don't have faith, it is impossible to please God. And that's why I say faith is demanded. If you want to please God, if you want to be accepted by God, if you want God to say, yes, I'm going to accept you into my kingdom, it's all by faith. It's all by faith. It is impossible to please God without faith in him. So what does he say? How do we have this faith? It's impossible to please him about it, without it, so what do we do? Well, first, we believe that he is. And this idea of that he is, is that God exists. We believe that God is who he says he is. John 1.18 says, No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared, uh, declared him. We, bu- we must believe God, who he is, believe that he exists, and we believe the things that God says about himself, that they're actually true. Here's the thing. A lot of people in our world will believe in a God, but they don't believe the God of the Bible. And this is very clearly, just because you have faith in a God doesn't mean you have the correct faith. You can have faith, but you can be in the incorrect thing. It can be in a God that you make up in your mind. The God that you believe in has to be the God of this Bible. 
The, the God that you believe in has to be the God that truly is the Son of God as well. You have to believe Jesus Christ is actually who he says he is. Many religions today will say, God is this, but Jesus is not God. And that's not faith. That, that's faith, but in a false God. And I would encourage you to have faith in a God that the Bible says is God. 1 John 5, 9 and 10 says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. When we don't believe what God says about his Son, when we don't believe what God says about himself, we say God's a liar. So we have to believe that God is and what he says about himself that we trust. And also, second, that we may sometimes skip is actually very important. We believe that he is, and then in the last part of verse 6, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That he rewards those who seek him. We love rewards. I love getting an award. In fact, in our day and age, every kid that participates in anything gets an award, right? And we love rewards. And, and yet, this is probably one of the harder parts of faith. This is where sometimes faith, we can say, I believe that God is. I believe who he is. I believe everything, all the facts about God. But I don't know about this reward aspect we believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. By faith, they seek after him, and he rewards them. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those, those who love me, and those who diligently uh, seek me diligently will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And you will seek me and find me, and when you search for me with all your heart. Luke eleven ten says, Everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And actually, very clearly in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, in verse 24 through 26, and in Hebrews 11, 39 through 40, very clearly over and over and over in the rest of this chapter, God is going to say, I am a rewarder. I am somebody that's going to reward your faith. And this is a point that we oftentimes stumble we get to that point where we say, like I was talking about with that spreadsheet, the boss says, do this, and I say, I can't because I cannot lie. God does not want me to lie. And we sit there and evaluate the reward. Is the reward on earth greater than this reward in heaven? And I think this reward that I'm going to get is possibly a promotion or possibly I just won't get fired. Possibly, I'll just get to keep my job. But the reward here is, by faith, we obey God and live in obedience. And by faith, we say, God, I'm going to do what you said because I know your reward, your gift of eternal life, the gift of, of living with you forever is so much greater than this temporal pleasure that I might get here. And so we look at this reward and oftentimes we compare the rewards of earth and we look at what we think we can get here and now and we evaluate that as greater than what God is going to give us in eternity. And so we start living. We say, I believe in God. I believe he exists. But you know what? 
I believe the rewards I get now, I enjoy those quite a bit. And so I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to obey what I want to do, or I'm going to live the way that I want. But I also believe God, but, but I'm not going to obey him enough to actually show that my faith is real. It's interesting. Faith depends on who God is and not who we are. And so we simply trust God and say, God, you said you would reward us. And I'm going to wait for that reward. Even though I may not see it here on this earth, I will see it with you in glory. Faith depends on who God is and not what we are like. Praise God, because I am not a good person. Before Christ, I'm not a good person. After Christ, the only reason that I am a good person is because Jesus Christ gave me his righteousness. You know, the only thing that you bring to the table, the only thing that you bring to God is your sin. The only thing that you bring to God before your salvation, you come to him and you say, I don't have good works to offer you. He said those are filthy rags. I don't have property. I don't have money. I don't have anything I can offer you, God. The only thing I have is sin. And he says, then have faith that I can save you through my son, Jesus Christ. He says, have faith. Because I can't do anything. All I have is sin to bring through him. I, I am a filthy rag, all my good works. I'm not worthy. And God says, by faith. By faith in what? In my son. I, God has provided everything that we need. He gives us the righteousness of Christ. It's not because we did the action that pleases God. It's because the faith that we had in God makes the action pleasing to him. Let me say that again. It's not, the, it's not the action that was so amazing that pleased God. It's actually the faith that we had and then did the action that pleased God. Faith pleases God when we follow after him. It proves our faith is true. Faith depends on what God is like and not what we are like. You know, teens, your parents ask you something and you say, I'm not sure that I want to do that because I want to do this, right? And you have to, at that moment, by faith, say, I'm going to live in obedience to my parents because I know this is what I've been told to do. And you know what? I may not feel like the reward right now is that great, I may be trading off some fun time with my friends for actually eternal value of obedience to my parents and faith in pleasing God. You might be tempted by that party and say, come on, let's go. You're in a time of life where you can just live free and do what you want. And you have to make the decision and say, by faith, I'm going to obey God. And by faith, I'm going to do what he asked me to do. And by faith, I'm going to know that even though I'm trading off some temporal fun, I'm actually trading it for a reward that is so much greater in glory. Amen. When you have that young child and you're exhausted with your children raising them and the, the time of life is so busy with work and you think, you know what, it's just not worth it. I'm going to start taking Sundays off and that means from church too. I'm just going to rest and relax, and I don't need to really serve God like I know he wants me to. I'm just going to kind of live my life with ease. 
It's at that time that you make that decision and say, no, no, by faith, even though I'm tired and exhausted, and by faith I need to make good decisions for God, I'm going to do that because I know the reward of a little bit of sleep is not that great compared to the reward of glory with God. By faith, when you see that inappropriate picture uh, pop up, you see it and you say, no, God, the temporal pleasure, the momentary pleasure of sin is not worth it because I'm going to live by faith for God. And you say, no, and you can run away from it. The reward with God is so much greater. That bank account swells, you get a raise, and you think, I'm going to use all my money to be able to buy whatever it is, a resort house, or whatever it is to, that starts pulling your time away from God. And you know what? You say, no, 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 actually, by faith, I'm going to use this for God's glory, however that may be that he puts on your heart. And you say, I'm going to do this for his glory because I know the reward of that beach house may seem nice, but the reward of God's glory for eternity and me spending it with him is going to be so much greater. Live by faith. By faith, you obey God, you live for him, and faith leads to obedient action. Let me pray. Father, You've been very good to us in giving, a, giving us scripture that speaks to our heart, Lord. Lord, these verses so clearly in this chapter run against what we're being taught by the world, Lord, that we should live for the momentary, the here and now. But Lord, by faith, we need to live for glory and for eternity. I ask, Lord, that you would please help us to reorient our focus, to make our minds stayed on you, that we would live by faith, that we would say, Lord, the only thing I have to bring to you is faith in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to obey since you gave me him. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to live by faith each day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Tad. What a great message. What a great challenge. And uh, something that can definitely be applied in our lives this week. May God help us to uh, live out that faith. And may we uh, grow in that faith this week. What a wonderful challenge this morning. If you would stand to your feet, just a few announcements before we pray and are dismissed this morning. Uh,